Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, ESPN Plus, Dumont Plus? Today, Steve and I go into the conversation of what would have happened if the 1950s trailblazing television network, the Dumont Network, actually persisted and reached the streaming age to achieve Dumont Plus. All this and more today on... The following program is brought to you in living color. As early as 1923, David Sarnoff recognized the possibility of developing a television system. This is the dimension of imagination. Oh yeah! Now I remember! It's Inside the Box, the TV history podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Box. I'm Jonathan Bullinger, and today with me is Steve Voorhees. Steve, how are you doing? Good, Jonathan. How are you doing today? Good. I am in the mood to go back through one of my favorite sort of curiosities of the early television age, and that is the Dumont Television Network. And today I thought it would be fun if we went through a very sort of conjectural sort of a hypothesis, a what if, a alternative history sort of idea. And for those who've been listening all season to us, uh, don't hold me to this, but I believe the most recent Mining the Archive Monday episode was actually the episode that we did on the Dumont Television Network uh, way back at the start of the podcast. And so if you're not familiar with the Dumont Television Network, I would encourage you to listen to that episode and then certainly uh, join us for today's conversation. But uh, Steve, uh, right now it's uh, probably been a pretty crisp, wonderful fall. Uh, hopefully in such, you're probably like me in the middle of a lot of crazy teaching and grading and other sort of commitments. Uh, what do you what do you like to do? Any any sort of fallish fallish uh, rituals going into the holiday rituals that you like to do to kind of take your mind away from all the work and the stress and all the jazz? Well, when I'm not working, I'm usually chauffeuring my children around to extracurricular activities and athletic events. But no, as a as a family, we you know definitely like the apple picking in the fall and the you know selecting pumpkins and things of that nature as uh, we enter the cold cold winter months of course you know depending on when you're listening to this podcast you could be sitting in 85 degree weather on the beach uh it also depends the part of the country you live in so uh, i know the fall means a lot of different things to different people but usually it's just a lot of activities with with the kids and and making sure they're in the right place at the right time in the in the fall we're lucky where we are there is a uh, there's a uh, apple fest where there's lots of things from the fall, like harvest stuff, but then there's also food trucks and things from the local restaurants, so we always like that. And then, as Steve said, if you are if you are happening to listen to this, you know, not right when it right when it releases, if it's more maybe winter time, we also have a chili fest that happens in the winter time, where all the local restaurants they uh, they make their own version of chili. They put out a table in front of the restaurant and they serve the chili from there. As, as festival goers, you buy tickets, and then each chili is basically a ticket or maybe two tickets. And then at the end, if you want to, you vote for who you felt was the best chili. And it is great. It's delicious. Uh, uh, we tend to, my wife and I, we tend to, or to steal a line from John, John Hodgman's uh, podcast, my wife, a whole human being in her own right, um, uh, we bring our own mugs. You don't have to, but you get a little more chilly that way. You don't have to mess around with a lot of things. So that's good. And then some of the local breweries come in as well. So when it, depending on when you're listening to this, I'm probably at one of those two festivals. That's what's great about <laughs> podcasting. You can be at your chili festival. You know, I, I'm in 85 degree weather sitting on the beach in mid-July. So That's right. So who knows? Who knows when you're listening? But what we do want to talk about today is something that, if we're talking about out of time, this is something that happened nowhere near when we're when when we're we're talking about this meaning this was months and months and months ago but thankfully when i saw it i jotted it down and here's the advice you didn't ask for but if those of you out there trying to accomplish things always 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 take notes to and for yourself because there's just too much information we're exposed to today and you'll most likely forget it if you don't well here's where this idea started 
We had already talked about the Dumont Television Network on this show, like I said, years back. And uh, you'll get you have access to that now through the Mining the Archive Monday. And so a few months back, my wife, uh, who I'll mention again, loves loves the show Jeopardy. Okay, loves the game show Jeopardy. And I like it too, but I don't need to watch it all the time. Like I I because I kind of like a lot of you, if you watch Jeopardy, you're kind of playing along at home. And so I'm not just relaxing. I'm like, I will see if I get this one, see if I get this one. Anyway, they had the writers came up with a really cute category titled, because if you watch the show, you know, they have these sort of fun tongue in cheek uh, column uh, category titles, but they had one that was called Dumont Plus. And I forget what the actual uh, uh, subject matter was, but it got me thinking. I was like, hey, what would have happened if Dumont had actually survived? Now, in, in reality, we know, and I mentioned this uh, way earlier back in the summer in a mini episode, we know that the Dumont networks, what they call the O&Os or owned and operated stations, eventually got bought out. Uh, by a company who then became Metro Media. And Metro Media is important because by the mid-80s, Fox came in, bought out the O&Os of Metro Media, and that became the basic infrastructure for what then became the first successful fourth network back when that meant something, the Fox Fox, uh, uh, network. So it got me thinking, what if Dumont had survived uh, during the 1950s and 60s, what would their programming had looked like? So what I was hoping for, and it, it seems to have happened because Steve's uh, Steve's here with me today, is that we would conjecture a little bit about what that could possibly be. But before we get into the conjecture, and honestly, we might go on some tangents too, I want to give you just very, very basic context. And I'll tell you how basic this is, because you can probably find this these basics online pretty easily. Because again, we've done a whole episode on Dumont, I'm not going to reiterate all of those details because you can just listen to it in the other other episode. But basically, Dumont struggled for a multitude of reasons, one of which was Paramount didn't support them, even though they could have. And so basically, by the fall 1955, spring 1956 television season, uh, there really wasn't much for Dumont to offer. So there were things like boxing. They still showed boxing. And I forget, Steve, if you remember this or not, I honestly don't remember, but there's also a show called What's the Story that was also available. But by the early fall, even that show, What's the Story, was, was off the network. And basically by, uh, uh, by August of 56, they were, just, they were just done. They were out. Now, at the time, they were kind of hoping like, well, maybe we'll survive because we could just produce TV right? Lots of companies stay in business just by being, if they have the equipment, if they have the facilities. Uh, so, you know, because they had, they had um, uh, the facilities were used to help produce the, the honeymooners and their electric cam system. And, uh, and so they hoped to do that, but ultimately that didn't, you know, really save the network. And some of this kind of fun conversation that we're having is already answered because a lot of their program just jumped ship to other networks. ABC took uh, one of their most popular shows, Life is Worth Living, Chance of a Lifetime, Life Begins at 80, and Down You Go. All of those jumped over to ABC in the 55-56 uh, season. So the question here then, the other big sort of what if, and then we'll get into some of the more genre stuff. I have specific questions for Steve. But the big what if, and we mentioned this, I'm sure, during the, the Dumont uh, episode, is that Dumont had NFL programming right before that really meant something. So, of course, that's always the big what if. Like, what if they held on? What if they still had the, the, the NFL contracts? How that would have been shaped, et cetera. So that's always, that's always a fun sort of what if to think about. But, Steve, I have, let's see here, one, two, three, four five, six-ish sort of general questions, ideas to go into. But before I go into that with you, what do you think about this sort of topic, this sort of what if, this alternative history of sort of what Dumont was, what were they doing in the when, when things were good, the early 50s, where we might be going? 
any any sort of introductory thoughts before I start grilling you mercilessly? I'm actually surprised there is no Dumont Plus in operation today because for nostalgia, we, see, we I mean, if you if you're familiar with Philo TV, that's named for Philo T. Farnsworth, uh, who's often credited with inventing television, modern television, as a high school student. Um, that you would think that Dumont would be a, a catchy name that that would come back around. But instead, we have Pluto, we have Tubi, some of these more, they call them fast TV systems, free advertising-supported television, fast. Uh, I just would think that there would be an app for Dumont Plus. So I'm a little surprised that the name really has not resurfaced with all of the brand new apps and streaming services that have come out trying with the catchy names uh, that nostalgia plays so much into. So. I, I would I would think Dumont Plus would actually sound pretty good that that would be a good marketing tool but maybe not yeah and, and this is this may just be my own interpretation but whenever I heard the the name Dumont now first off I think anyone who's old school uh, uh, comedy fans you think of Margaret Dumont who uh, was involved in the uh, uh, Marx Brothers films. But to me, and maybe it's just that association, but to me, it's sort of a higher class sort of upper crust kind of name. And it always makes me think of like when they would call CBS the Tiffany Network, you know, sort of this sort of prestige sort of thing. So it always sort of, it kind of saddens me, right? Because I kind of think of what Dumont could have been. And, and, and again, we don't know exactly what would have happened. It's conjecture. But it always feels like sort of a, a an unfortunate sort of loss, a sort of gem that 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 could have been there. So, well, they also manufacture TVs. That was their main line right. of business. You right. think about a Roku today. Roku had the platform and was connected with television manufacturers, but now they are TV manufacturers. So you have the Roku TV hosting the Roku platform where you can access different apps. Dumont was just so far ahead of its time that if it just hung on, like you said, the big what if, they had the programming, they had the distribution and the manufacturing, and you see some of the big companies that we know today uh, are, are doing what they did. It's just, you know, they, they, they did run into walls like the UHS, UHF spectrum. A lot of their affiliates were on the UHF spectrum and higher channel numbers that TVs couldn't get unless you had a TV with a UHF dial. And so there, there were limitations and things that prohibited their growth, uh, certainly, but a lot of it was technological. Yeah. And, and I forget which channel it was, but I think I was actually watching, I think it was like old school cable TV the other day. And it was one of those, I don't, it wasn't the history channel, but it was like probably science or, you know, one of the weird offshoots. And they were actually doing a story on Dumont and how the idea of you know, the, 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 uh, founder, you know, was really more technically minded, you know, was interested in the technology of it and really kind of too late realized what it took to kind of play hardball in the entertainment business and, and wonderful guy, very bright. Everyone seemed to really love him, but one of those great sort of, you know, kind of too good of a man for the situation he was in and kind of got crushed, you know, so it's, it, it's a shame. And don't forget Jackie Gleason jumping ship to CBS. You know that they lost him because they couldn't pony up the money that CBS was willing to to give as well. So yeah, they had they had the cards kind of stacked against them. Yeah, and uh, what I was thinking about. So I was trying to come up with some of the major trends of the time to see sort of what what could have happened. So we'll start with the obvious, the big one, which is the idea if they had hung on to the NFL. So. In the fall of 56, it was actually CBS who ended up inheriting the Sunday afternoon NFL contest from Dumont. And so they expanded then into Sunday sports by CBS and then eventually NBC. Uh, what I thought was really interesting with this, and I don't know if you remember this, Steve, from when you were a kid, but it, and I never quite understood this. When I was a little guy watching TV in the morning on Sundays, it was always weird to me because there was all this, what I would call like quote unquote smart TV or talk like politics shows or talking shows or educational shows or whatever. And it was there. And then it were, it were like really early and then suddenly sports or golf or whatever um, on and on. And you never saw that kind of programming anywhere else during the week. 
Uh, I assume you, you, I see you nodding uh, sure. your head there. So what's interesting is, is at that time when CBS takes the NFL, and uh, uh, this is a, a quote uh, you can find very easily online, it was that uh, traditional afternoon, quote unquote, egghead slots for highbrow programming had to be broken up, broken up, pushing those shows into the few odd spots still open the day open in the day or eliminating, eliminating them completely. So for us and, and what the kinds of episodes we've done on this show, we know that when we talk to, to Newton Minow, cause he famously, you know, his famous, you know, saying, right, this is a vast wasteland gentlemen, clean it up. That's happening at the end of the fifties, early sixties. And so this does reflect the, the network sort of shifting away from quote unquote educational, uh, fairer minded, more noble purposes and more sort of the broad based, you know, more sort of broad based uh, 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 programming content. So we know what happens with the NFL. CBS takes it. CBS certainly doesn't hurt from having the NFL on their on their uh, 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 radar. But here's the question I had for you, Steve. So the NFL would have been there, I would assume. Dumont would have held, held on to that. But what about what about Westerns? Do you think there would have been any sort of embracement by Dumont of the Western genre? And this is just one idea. We don't have to go one way or the other with it, but any sort of thoughts about Dumont who had done, you know, they had life is worth living with Bishop Sheen, uh, uh, honeymooners, uh, you know, uh, sports, boxing, NFL. What do you think? Anything as far as uh, uh, Westerns? No. None, at least in the research I've done, they were not interested in that genre. You get game shows, police uh, procedurals they had. They had some children's programming. When you brought me this episode topic, I started thinking, like, how, how do I brand Dumont? And how did Dumont brand itself is probably the more appropriate way to say it. They didn't really get into that Western genre. And, you know, I don't know offhand how much of their programming was first run syndication where they were buying it from production companies versus what they were making themselves certainly they had a you know and i know they had the nfl when i say this but they they had a cheaper slate of programming if you want to say in their primetime hours programs that wouldn't cost as much as a bonanza or a gun smoke and western genres are very expensive to make back then so it doesn't surprise me they don't have them, and I don't think of westerns when I when I think of Dumont. Now I don't know if you can prove me wrong. Did they have at least one western? That I don't know, but I know that it didn't it didn't populate their schedules in prime time in the early fifties and late forties. Yeah, and and I haven't done a one hundred percent triple check on this, but I it was my same thought, which is because of the production costs. Uh, the Westerns probably weren't going to be there unless, of course, they just proved by let's pretend Dumont holds on and uh, they're there by the early 60s. Maybe they do. They say, hey, we're doing well enough. The TV sets are still selling well enough. Maybe Paramount gets behind them, et cetera. And, and they just have to jump on that 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 genre craze. I, I, I'm not sure. But uh, I mean, it, it, I should say it's possible, you know. Let me ask you this, in terms of streaming platforms uh, and even fast TV channels having just a plethora of nostalgic content, old content, recycled content, whatever you want to call it, are there any Dumont shows from the original Dumont network that can still be found on streaming? I'm not, I'm not sure there are. Yeah, well, the, I mean, again, if we go the full version of the sort of cutesy Jeopardy uh, uh, column, it would be like there's a Dumont Plus. It would be as if all the kinescopes survive, right? There were kinescopes and we could have access to this. My, I mean, in part, it's already it's already answered in that uh, Jackie Gleason, you can still find programming with Jackie Gleason or some version of the Honeymooners. But I would say that I feel like you would find an audience these days for Bishop Sheen. Like just some good old fashioned uh, TV Christian televangelist. Almost, I wonder if it almost would be like it would almost work for the the religious folks in the way that like re rerunning Bob Ross painting 
has sort of worked on Netflix. You know, that you would do Dumont Plus, there might be some real strong sub faction of the audience who's like tuning into Retro Bishop Sheen. Uh, I, I think you'd have something maybe like that. Or again, assuming we'd have all the kinescopes, et cetera, maybe there would be a strong like sports segment to it of boxing and uh, uh, early, early, early NFL, possibly. Yeah, they were big into boxing. Uh, they did have a show called Madison Square Garden. I don't know what <laughs> what was in that show, but you figure covering the live events in a multi-camera format uh, would be something that would be rather cheap. The content's already created for you. They seem to have also performance-type shows. I imagine the Arthur Murray Party would be one of those. Uh, Cavalcade of the Stars. Uh, you know, just this idea that, um, yeah, there's a performance and you're covering it in some way. I, I do find it interesting, though, that uh, of the shows that, that they have listed, you know, only the Maury Amsterdam show, there's a name I recognize, Maury Amsterdam, uh, of course, on Dick Van Dyke's show. There's nothing here that really pops out. Country style, very generic sounding. Captain Video, I only know about that oh, because yes, I forgot. Yeah, Ca Go Captain for Video was mentioned in the Honeymooners. It's, it's I think it's uh, uh, Norton's favorite TV show or something like that. You know, right? It, it's like it's very very cheap, but again, sort of like the way the way we look at. Um, I'm gonna forget them all, right? But we have think channels now on classic on traditional cable like MeTV. I think there's H and I and there's some other channel where they run stuff from the boomers childhood from the fifties, even though it's really badly produced and it's, excuse my French kind of shitty produced, but captain video, I think that would definitely be like a nostalgia block for somebody. And now yeah. I'm not saying young people, but I think you would at least do a nostalgia watch on a DuPont, a Dumont plus situation. You, you know, I'm a big guy of flow. So we're, we're, I'm looking at this from a linear schedule perspective you think about Thursday nights, Thursday nights, traditionally, even NBC in the 80s, must see TV. It's a big night for television, Thursday nights. 1951, on ABC, you have Stop the Music. On CBS, you have the George Burns and Gracie Allen show. On NBC, you have You Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx. And on Dumont, you have the Georgetown University Forum. <laughs> A little I, PBS I, sounding, right? I, I'm sure they beat uh, 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 George Burns and Gracie Allen every <laughs> night and, and Groucho. Uh, yeah, that's that's tough. That's some tough programming. I'm imagining there. it sounds like a roundtable forum where you have, you know, either professors or you know, students talking about it, discussing a topic. It's, it was probably educational. I mean, it was probably maybe uh, something that didn't cost a lot to produce, but you're putting it up against George Burns or Groucho Marx. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's your prime spot at eight o'clock. Dumont, I, I think the writing was on the wall even by fifty-one that they either had to start getting syndicated programming or doing something. But you know, here I'm falling down the traditional trap of thinking like an industry person, saying, "Where are the ratings? We got to get the big star talent." Which you know, it's not always the way to look at things. So I recognize the same traps I fall into as you know executives do. Right, and, and this this leads me to remember that down the road there's an episode i really would like to do where I, th this is the idea that's been floating in my head is because television was such a new medium at that point i kind of want to do an episode where we compare the types of topics that people took on at like the early well, it could be all the networks but maybe especially dumont and then contrast or compare that to what people were trying to do on youtube around like 2008 2009 and sort of see how that sort of meshes because I don't think there's anything really interesting there. I think it's probably pretty obvious, which is we probably tried a lot of the same stuff. Just, it's just a different, different sort of, sort of medium, but yeah. And also, I mean, folks who are listening realize, right? Like I know Steve's right. I know he's looking at the specifics and he's going like Dumont shot themselves in the foot too early. This was never going to happen, et cetera. But it's the the dream, right? The beautiful dream of like a really smart guy who's inventing new television technology and he starts the network and it maybe ha tries different things or has interesting ideas or maybe even some better programming, et cetera. And there could have been a fourth network and, 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 and it increased competition and all that stuff. 
it's the dream of it that's so beautiful, even if it doesn't mesh with the reality, the reality well, of it. Well, my reality is within the commercial structure, right? And so, you know, you can You've have George- very clear, Vice President Voorhees, yes, you, the you, you can have George Burns saying, say goodnight, Gracie. And, you know, she repeats the line, which, you know, it's, it's comedy, I guess. But, or you can have the Georgetown University Forum, where they're probably discussing something of relevance to society. You know, when you look at the two, yeah, the Georgetown Forum is probably better for you, but it's not what people are going to watch within the commercial structure. And of course, with commercials bring sponsors, sponsors bring money, money gets more programming, gets bigger stars. And it, it is a it is a cycle that, that these networks go through. My question for you is if you take the entire Dumont library of shows, which by the way, I think you once said is at the bottom of the East River in New York, right? Yes, I believe so. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they, they dumped the, they didn't know where to store it, so they dumped it in the bottom of the East River. You uh, take all of these shows and you put it on a streaming platform, who would buy that platform? I mean, could you see Netflix saying, boy, we really should buy that Dumont library of programs? You know, the, the shelf life with this doesn't seem to be long because if you take the live sports out, they, you know, they, they don't have a long shelf life unless it's the greatest game of, of the decade. And then what they have left, some game shows, some forums, some kind of reality type of programming with the Arthur Murray party and these performance type shows. There's not much of a library there. And, and again, this is right when Desi Arnaz is over at CBS and CBS, you know, to their to uh, my point, both, you know, they probably said the same thing Dumont said, reruns. Who wants reruns? And, you know, Desi's like, all right, I'm going to fund the filming of I Love Lucy myself so that we can rerun it like a film, like we're going to film it like a film. Um, you know, Dumont probably didn't have that, you know, didn't have that in their sights, although they did manufacture TVs and, you know, they did have the kinescope recordings, but I don't know. They... It just seems like the planning of the network. I mean, you look at their programming, not a long shelf life with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, to be realistic, I think, again, pretending the archive survived, I think it would have either taken Dumont itself to come up with enough of a branded identity that connected with viewers, or if it never did, but, but it still existed in recorded form, it would take someone some future celebrity, some future intellectual who people really liked to recontextualize it for everyone and say, no, you're missing something here, much like a film that wasn't appreciated at the time. And then it would hope to sort of a coolness factor, a weird sort of coolness factor that would come. Uh, or if we're being super realistic, it would be something like the NFL sort of creates it, uh, uh, revives it as some sort of boutique um boutique uh, uh, sub-brand to show classic sort of examples of, of televised football, you know, something like that. I know it, it most likely it would have gotten sliced up for whoever's purposes, but perhaps if it had lasted long enough and it, it had enough of an identity, maybe it becomes a really niche, almost like a somewhere between like PBS and uh, Criterion Collection sort of prestige you know early tv sort of sort of uh, uh, uh product i wonder how long they allowed shows to air or if they just cut them off way too quickly so dumont in 1953 october of 53 they they created a show called 930 curtain and it's a 30 minute anthology series of just different dramas with different actors and actresses uh, so kind of like a Playhouse 90, it would seem like just a shorter form. But it debuts in October of 53, and its last telecast was January 1st of 54. So they <laughs> didn't even go three months before it got canceled. And I, I was wondering, like, what is what was the churn of the time of looking at the ratings, canceling, get something new? Look at the ratings, canceling, get something new. And if maybe they made hasty decisions, but by the fall of 53, they're pretty much on death's door at that point anyway. So, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't know. No, I, I understand. Again, this, this is, this is the problem with alternative histories is that you, you, and it's funny. I actually, uh, I don't think I've posted this yet, but I'm actually working on a blog post about alter, uh, alternative histories. It, maybe it's gone up by now uh, when you're hearing this, but when you engage in alternative histories, you sort of have to decide for yourself, 
what is too far? You know, what do you accept? What do you not in sort of going through this sort of imaginative uh, situation? So if you look at it from a very tight interpretation, then yeah, you're absolutely right. They were already in trouble. They were doing things too cheaply. They didn't spend enough time with the programming, et cetera. So there's no way it would have really survived. Of course, for the purposes of this conversation, I'm going much, much broader, you know, like uh, maybe Paramount for whatever reason, even if it was a greedy reason, they finally started to support them. Uh, maybe someone comes out of nowhere and talks with the owner and says, look, I know you're brilliant, but you need to play the game a little bit more here or else you're going to, going to kind of go, go under. But I, I do think the, what you bring up is a good point about Paramount. ABC is struggling. They had no radio, uh, predecessor like CBS and NBC did. Right. And in fact, ABC is the previous NBC red or blue. I always get the two. Makes yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm having I'm having a bit of a brain fart. Uh, so we'll, we'll say so we'll say one it, of those is definitely correct. <laughs> one of the NBC colors became ABC because they had to spin yeah. it off. But but the point being is that it, it, Paramount and Disney were kind of supporting ABC in in the early days. Uh, and if they had chosen Dumont instead, maybe Fred Silverman is you know going really successful with Dumont in the 1970s. I mean, it's just that one switch of financial support that launches one into the other. Now, I will say Dumont would have been so interesting because they were manufacturing televisions and ABC did not have that arm of production uh, in terms of vertical integration. So, yeah, I kind of, uh, it, it does make you think like what, what would have happened and if ABC had been the one that had gone belly up because they certainly weren't doing well around the same time that Dumont was not doing well. It's just they found backing and Dumont didn't, you know? So here's pure conjecture, but since they were so known for game shows, do you think Dumont would have gotten caught up in the quiz show scandal of the late 50s? How do you know they didn't? Well, because I, th I thought the I thought the quiz show happened in like around 58, 59. That's when they got caught. How oh, you know, oh, I see. What you're, I see. How do you know Dumont was not already fixing those games? I, I see what you're saying. Okay, fair, fair enough, fair enough. They they just may have died before they got caught. Okay. Uh, what about? Uh, well, I'll start with the harder one. Then I'll go to the easier one. By the early '60s, Ed Sullivan and other variety shows really catch fire. Do you do you feel sort of like Dumont getting on there would? Uh, would they have like tried to get uh, Gleason to come crawl, you know, to, to pay him a bunch of money to come back and do his own variety show? Or do you think Dumont would have turned away? It would have been maybe a little too expensive, a little too common. Any, any thoughts on, on Ed Sullivan style variety shows? Well, they had the Jackie Gleason show, which was variety in different sketches and they just couldn't afford them. They keep right. Jackie Gleason. Then, Maybe the Honeymooners, which was filmed on their camera system, would have been on the Dumont Network instead of CBS for that one year for the classic 39 episodes, right? And they just couldn't afford Gleason. They could not find the resources to keep him around, and he jumped ship. Again, that's a big what if, but, um, you know, that, that you would know. have definitely got them into the variety show. And I, I do think they had variety programming. You know, Arthur Murray... We know him as, uh, you, know, you know, more of like a dancing instructor type of schools that you see. But I'm assuming, you know, that that show was a uh, dancing show. If you give me a second here, I will quickly find out the Arthur Murray show and tell you exactly what it was in my trusty uh, encyclopedia of shows here. Yeah. And, and for those playing along at home, just know that. And I love Steve for this because I like them myself. But. We always refer to pre-internet, actual, edited, researched uh, uh, compendiums, volumes printed about, uh, in, or you know, encyclopedias about television history. So, as I talk to you about this, Steve is, uh, has his uh, copy in front of him. While Steve sort of talks about, or looks that up, I just want to talk about the other big element that I, I mentioned is is Paramount, right? And that Par and Steve was talking about this. Paramount didn't get behind the network the way they should have. But I think, obviously, is that by the late 50s, early 60s, if Paramount would have just done what everyone else did, which is we had this movie, it was or was not a hit, you know, like it was a hit. So, of course, we're going to make a TV show out of it. Or 
it wasn't a hit, but we still like the concept. It might work better as a show. My God, if they'd gotten behind it, you probably, yeah, it might've been a little boring, but to see the same thing on TV over and over and over again. But I think we would have seen a bunch of Paramount based or film based TV shows, uh, which essentially would have become, would have been interesting because we know down the road, we talked about this in another episode, anytime Paramount has started their own kind of channel, they always use Star Trek as the bait to get uh, viewers there. And so we saw this with, uh, uh, when they try to do their own TV network in the seventies. And then of course now when they did the CW and, or sorry, uh, yeah, CW. And then eventually now with Paramount plus. Well, I have just learned something new. Uh Oh, so up until this point, I was under the understanding. The only television show to air on all three of the primary networks was bachelor father because CBS, NBC, and ABC canceled it at one point and it kept jumping on. Well, one of my favorites, uh, <laughs> the Arthur Murray party, which I had not heard of before this podcast and my research for this. Um, it lasted 10 years and it aired on all four networks, jumping between each network, Dumont included. Uh, the book uh, by Brooks and Marsh, which is the complete directory to primetime network and cable TV shows. It says this, quote, this was, without a doubt, the longest-running commercial in the history of television. Why? Because Arthur Murray's dance schools sponsored the Arthur Murray party. And the whole point of it was for people to not only be incentivized to take dancing lessons, but to then win tickets to, or I guess coupons, for free dancing lessons at his school. <laughs> and the way they did this, if you think of the mass Singer, I guess that's what Fox calls mm-hmm. it, uh, was that they had a mystery dancer. And you had to send in a postcard with your guess on who the mystery dancer was. And if you were correct, they mailed you free lessons for the Arthur Murray Dance School, which of course incentivizes you to continue taking those lessons once you start. Uh, and it lasted 1950 to 1960, Dumont, ABC, CBS, NBC, and it jumps around. It skips. It was on Dumont and then left for a couple of few years. And then it went back to Dumont and then left and went to CBS and left and went to NBC and yada, yada, yada. So well, uh, th- this Arthur Murray show, uh, there you go. That's a that, that's a hit for Dumont, looks yeah. like. They just couldn't hang on. Well, this is, again, I, I you're probably tired of hearing us say this, folks, but like, I try not to date the podcast too much, but as Steve mentions, who knows when you're going to listen to this anyway, so, you know, does it really matter? But, Steve, this is my connection here to 1950s TV and the mistakes Dumont made and blah, blah, blah. I forget, do you guys, uh, do you guys uh, have access to Disney Plus? Who, me? Yeah, in your house. Oh, I thought you were t- asking the listeners. Yes, all listeners. Do you have access to Disney? <laughs> no. Well, you know, you try to ask questions to your audience sure. yes we have disney plus okay so have you guys watched the uh i i don't even know if i should call it a documentary series because it's so quick it's almost like a, a a youtube show but the behind the attraction where they go through the history of the theme park attractions yeah I, i've seen some of it but i haven't watched all of them okay so we we just we just finished watching the the whole the whole shebang yeah mostly because we're big fans of uh we love Paget Brewster, who is the actress who's doing the voiceover narration for the show. Anywho, that's a big, long uh, runway, folks, to say basically this. If you look at that, and I, I knew this before watching the show, but, you know, people may not know this. But Disney, Walt, the actual man, Walt Disney, was so smart in using the then new medium of television to basically, much like Arthur Murray, promote the hell out of his core business, which at that point was the film business, but then quickly became the amusement park business. So yes, Disney was Disney uh, land was so successful because they really put their time and, and effort into it and they made it really fun. But it also didn't hurt that you would see kindly old Walt on the TV every day going, Hey kids, I'm, I'm hard at work building this wonderful thing called Disneyland and you should come and all that. So yeah, with the Arthur Murray thing, no wonder he became such a household name as we associate with with dance studios because every, like you said, it, it's the longest running you know commercial. But any thoughts about any particular trends or moments in '60s TV or '70s TV where you sort of go like, man, if 
Dumont was still there, that would have gotten cool or interesting if they were sort of involved or well, either something they had. And yeah, color television. Okay. Right. You're you're distributing and manufacturing television sets. Imagine if they were the first in color rather than RCA, which owned NBC at the time. Um, yeah. And you know that doesn't happen until the mid 1960s, and Dumont's already gone by a decade at that point. So just think, may, maybe by 1959, Dumont saying, "Hey, our sets are in color now, and so is our programming." Well, now would you watch the Georgetown University Forum in color, <laughs> or would you watch George Burns in black and white? Right, because everyone else was still right. in the in the grayscale at that point. So I, I think of color as, as, and I know that's more technological than maybe you're asking about content, but. I, I just wonder, you're manufacturing TV sets. You might be the first in color, uh, maybe faster than RCA. Who knows? Yeah, no, it, it would have been interesting. And especially with, and again, I'm a little I'm a little vague on some of the details, honestly, after a few years. But the basic idea is, is if you haven't figured it out, is I'm just obsessed in some ways with the uh, – competitor to the NFL, the AFL, which of course, if you're a fan, it became the AFC after they forced a merger with the NFL, et cetera. But the AFL did broadcast games in color. And so it's interesting if like NFL had stuck around with Dumont and like Steve saying, Dumont sort of fast tracked a little bit with color as a big gamble or whatever, or maybe they could get Paramount interested. Like, like, no, no, it won't kill your film business. Like really like, you know, it, you'll dominate everything. You won't kind of like Disney or whatever. Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting what that all would have looked like as the 60s sort of dawned. Who had the AFL? Who had the rights to the AFL? Oh, I, I would have to double check that, Steve. Honestly, I, if folks listening, if you haven't figured it out, I, I don't have a lot of room in my brain today for a lot of facts I used to know. Um, but I'll have to double check that. It looks like ABC had the early AFL contract and then NBC outbid them and got the contract after that. Uh, which I believe then it was NBC, I think, who got the contract from Dumont. Because once Dumont went under, or maybe that was CBS. Or CBS, CBS first, yeah. CBS first, right. Um, and then after the merger, MB, it was CBS and NBC then that had the, the primary two packages of AFL and um, or AFC and NFC football. Okay. So is there any old-time programming from the early from earlier eras of TV either that you know exists or we're, we're we're real shaky about it actually still having a record it may not exist is there anything from olden times that you just never see on any kind of streaming service that you wish was available like that there's something that you're like people should know that they're aware of this much like a, kind of in a sense of what if Dumont kept going and now there was a Dumont plus is there anything there you're like there should be room somewhere for this. We need to have access to this. Either we know it exists on a record or maybe it was lost in the East River, that kind of thing. You're saying from Dumont? No, it could be anything. I'll go beyond Dumont. I'm well, just saying, you know TV history. Is there something that it's just not there, should be there streaming? You want, you want a guilty pleasure? I'll, Steve, we've talked on this show both of, of Riptide and Hunter and Force 7. <laughs> All right, maybe this is a little above that. Um, so I love collecting shows. I, I, I'm a firm believer of owning the physical discs, whether they be Blu-rays or DVDs, and digitizing them so that you know we can own them as uh, as fans and, and not worry about them being erased from streaming platforms or the rights being sold to a different platform that I have to subscribe to. And there are certain programs that you cannot get, and, and not only in physical disc form, but in streaming. And one of them is Empty Nest. So <laughs> yes. my wife loves the Golden Girls, loves the Golden Girl universe. You cannot find Empty Nest on any syndicated channel. You cannot find it on any streaming platform, and you can't get it on DVD. And it's by uh, Buena Vista Productions, I believe, which does the Golden Girls and is an arm of, of Disney Productions. So there you go. There now, now you know something about me. I'm trying to get this series and I can't um, unless it's like I'm not going to get a bootleg or something like that. But uh, there is media out there. And even going back to the 50s, you know, we joke about Bachelor Father. You can't get that uh, on any streaming service. I think it's in syndication. 
um, but it's not on disc. It's kind of fascinating to me how series will go to production in a very limited form and they wait 50 or 60 years and um, it's it just takes a while to to come out and and you'll see that with DVD release schedules or Blu-ray release schedules. But even streaming platforms, they have all the space in the world, but they don't want to pay the rights if people aren't going to be watching. And so they just don't they just don't carry it. But Empty Nest is at the top of my list of hard shows to find. Yeah, I I wouldn't have remembered this off the top of my head. But now that you say that, I remember you've talked about this in the past. Somehow Empty Nest has come up when we were talking about sitcoms or sitcom theme songs or something. I will say this. I know I know. I don't have to mention this, but just to be fair, since I, I asked you, I just want to say about the idea of what's not available that I wish was available. And I'm cheating a little bit with this answer because it's not so much that um, a network doesn't want to do it or we don't have the records or whatever, but it's more just Lorne Michaels. And that is, as someone who loved Saturday Night Live so much as a kid, I just wish he would let the entire warts and all the entire uh, collection of episodes be available they are available and they do a really nice online archive but it's only the sketches from certain episodes that he wants to be made available it's not like you just turn it on and it goes the entire hour and a half famously uh they barely show anything from the mo- nowadays considered the mo- the worst episode of silent live ever which is the steven seagal hosted episode yeah there's only certain things there from it on peacock have you looked at it on peacock yeah and 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 i apologize folks i know i've mentioned uh my wife about a million times today but this actually is relevant there is a famous sketch that we love from the late 90s which is so stupid it's so ridiculous it's so dumb and you just cannot find it and i will say it even though it's so crazy it's it's like a will ferrell um tim meadows sketch i think it's called riding my donkey political talk show and it's exactly what it sounds like it is a john mclaughlin group roundtable discussion while everyone is on donkeys it is the stupidest thing in the world and i i i don't see it anywhere is that an editorial decision by lauren michaels or peacock or is that a rights decision based on copyright law well there's some there's some things that are expensive with rights like you're saying with musical guests but there's also a pride thing with with Mike Lauren Michaels, right? There's just some things he's just not going to show because he just doesn't think it's all that all that great. Um, yeah, I remember real real quick, and we're really getting off on a tangent here. I apologize, folks, but I remember uh, a few years back, I was so happy they finally did they cleared all the ru- music rights issues with SCTV, and they finally did all these beautiful box sets from Shout Factory, and they're gorgeous, they're great, they're very complete. It's everything you'd ever want. Way before that, let's say about 20 years, right as I got out of college, or maybe it was when I was in college, but I, I was interning at NBC out in, out in Burbank. And there was one room, because at that time, they tried rerunning old SCTV episodes in late night in the early aughts on certain affiliates. So I remember I walked into a room, a tape library one time, physical tape library, and it wasn't just what they cut down. It was the entire real deal uh, SCTV library before it was ever available. And I seriously, I remember having a moment where I stood there and I was like, how worth it would it be for me to get fired and possibly prosecuted by somehow figuring out a way to duplicate all of this every other night? You know, I didn't do it. But, uh, oh, man, that was like I couldn't believe it was all available because you know, they edit things down all the time. Things just don't become available. But all right. So Steve, any final thoughts or concerns about the Dumont network before we say goodbye? No, I, I have to now check the S, uh, SNL archives on uh, Peacock and other platforms because now you've given me something to think about, which really isn't that the meaning of all this? That, that Well, that is. That is. <laughs> What we hope what you thought about is if you knew a lot about Dumont Network already, well, uh, we hope that uh, we got things right or we made some pretty decent educated guesses. If you really weren't familiar with the Dumont Network or the TV sets that they used to manufacture, then we hope between the old archive episode we re-released and this particular new episode, you know, we hope that uh, 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 it educated you about it. Maybe you'll go do a little internet search for yourself or more. Or even better, you know, try to find a good book on the on the subject. Uh, 
because uh, as Steve said, we like to kind of do our research, do our homework, uh, and, and, and introduce as much as we can. But as we said, sometimes we forget some facts as well, particularly since some of these topics we haven't, we haven't done in a while. But either way, I do hope that you continue to listen throughout this new uh, season. I hope that you are enjoying the archive episodes we release on Mondays. Uh, and if you're really crazy and you're also listening to the mini episodes, well, we appreciate that. And we hope you're listening to that as well. And, uh, you know, consider asking, uh, telling a friend who might be interested in television history. Maybe they want to donate a few dollars, get access to the full archive on Patreon, or they want to listen to all the bonus episodes that we're also releasing brand new bonus episodes on Patreon as well. And last but not least, just as any podcast you listen to tells you, consider rating and reviewing us old school style on Apple Podcasts. It does help. It really does because people scroll through with a new podcast and they go, oh, look at that. This got a 4.9 out of 5 or there's a really nice uh, entry here, a really nice review about it. That might sway uh, a new listener to to give us a shot. And we do appreciate it because as Steve said, well, the reason we do this is to have some really good conversation, hopefully some enlightened conversation about the thing we love so much, which is TV and and TV history and a little pop culture, etc. So uh, we can only do that uh, if more and more uh, people come in and it's more fun when there's more and more people. So with that, uh, for Steve Voorhees, I'm Jonathan Bullinger. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye bye. We're so glad that you could come to our party and you're invited next week to the next Arthur Murray party. Victor Moan will be our guest. And the week after that, Martha Ray. So do come to the parties. And in the meantime, to put a little fun in your life, try that. Arthur! Don't forget to send in your solution to the mystery dance. Was it the polka, mambo, or jitterbug? Consult your telephone directory and write your nearest Arthur Murray studio. The Athamari girls wore Athamari dancing footwear. Men's formals were by West Mills. You're cordially invited to another Athamari party next week at the same time. And remember, for neat, effective, longer-lasting protection, get five-day deodorant pads today.